Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the great feast of Pentecost, and it is a celebration in which we recognize the birth of our church. The Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles, and in doing so, they begin the apostolic work of evangelizing the world. And so this truly is the beginning of our church. So therefore, happy birthday. Now remember last week, Jesus tells the apostles before he ascends back into heaven to go back to Jerusalem and wait to receive the Holy Spirit. And they do just that. Yet in the Acts of the Apostles, it specifically says, the apostles prayed day and night in the temple. They properly now dispose themselves to receive the Holy Spirit. By praying day and night, they open their heart, their mind, and their soul to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's good, very good. We too, when we received the Holy Spirit the first time in our life, at the time of our baptism, we had people praying for us. Now granted, most of us were tiny little infants and we didn't know how to pray, yet people were praying for us, our parents, our godparents, our grandparents, our aunts, uncles, all of our family were praying for us, helping us to receive the Holy Spirit. At the time of our confirmation, in which we were sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, that sacrament was celebrated in the context of the Mass. And the Church teaches us that the Mass, the Eucharist, is the highest prayer of our Church. And therefore, it is fitting that we celebrate the reception of the Holy Spirit in the context of prayer. Now, this teaches us a good lesson about prayer. Prayer is vital for us not only to receive the Holy Spirit, but also for the Holy Spirit to continue to work in and through us in our daily lives. Daily prayer properly cultivates and nurtures an environment in which the Holy Spirit will thrive. And therefore, we must pray and pray every day. Next in the story, Jesus breathes upon the apostles and says to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus now gives the apostles this divine breath of life. Where else do we see this happening? Where God breathes upon people and immediately they come to life? Well, the story of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7. God forms man out of ground and clay and molds him into an image. Now, it's interesting to note the Hebrew word for ground or clay is Adama. And the Hebrew word for man or humanity is Adam. And so God transforms Adama, ground, into Adam or man by a breath. God breathes into this form or this image and immediately 
Adam comes to life. From the divine breath of God, now all of humanity comes to life. Where else do we see this divine breath of God on display, giving life? Well, with the book of the prophet Ezekiel, in which Ezekiel has this vision of the dry bones. Ezekiel is standing on this desert plain, and for miles and miles around him, he sees nothing but these dried-out old bones. As far as the eye can see, God comes to Ezekiel and he says, Do you believe that I can turn these bones into life? Ezekiel responds by saying, Lord, you alone have the power to give life. And then God says to Ezekiel, I will bring my spirit upon these bones and turn them into life. And then before Ezekiel's very own eyes, God does just that. First, the bones begin to assemble together. And then Ezekiel sees tendons and ligaments come. Then muscle. And finally, flesh and skin to cover the entire person. Yet, these people are not alive. Not yet. God then says to Ezekiel, From the four winds shall come, O Spirit, and breathe into these that they may have life. Suddenly, God breathes upon them. And immediately, these people come to life. Suddenly, Ezekiel is now standing before an army of people that are alive because of God's divine breath. Well, we see that now on display with Jesus Christ and the apostles. Jesus breathes upon the apostles. In doing so, he gives them the Holy Spirit and life. They immediately burst out of the upper room and they begin to evangelize in the streets of Jerusalem. Now remember, prior to this, the apostles were huddled together, locked in the upper room, trapped because of their own fear. Yet now, empowered by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the apostles come to life and they boldly proclaim the gospel. And now we truly see the birth of our church on display. The apostles have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. When we were baptized, we also received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When our parents took us to church and when we were baptized, God breathed upon us and we received that divine breath of life. And immediately we came to life, spiritual life. From that moment forward, we began to participate in the divine life of God. And that is a life that lasts forever, as Christ promised us. That's why I always proclaim baptism is the second greatest event in our entire life. The greatest event is when we come face to face with the beatific vision. When we come face to face with God in heaven, that truly will be the greatest event in our life. And so now that we are equipped with the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, we now know the source of our life is God. And therefore, our life should be centered around that source. And see, that's what Paul is talking about in the second reading. When Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What Paul is referring to is that now that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, now we know that the source of our life and our existence is God. And therefore, our life should be ordered to God. St. Teresa of Lisieux 
once said, each one of us ought to act as though the perfection of the church depends upon our own personal conduct. I think this puts everything into perspective. What St. Therese meant by this is that our conduct should reflect our spiritual authenticity in the life of God. Our everyday behavior and conduct, our actions, can deepen or even distance our awareness of and the participation in God's life. So you say to yourself, okay, I understand that. But what does that mean to participate in God's life? What does that look like? Again, in the second reading, Paul gives us a glimpse or a picture of what this does look like. Paul says, To each individual, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for some benefit. As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. What Paul is getting at here is that all of us make up the body of Christ, the church, and therefore each and every one of us has a duty and a responsibility to continue the work that the apostles started on this feast day, building up the body of Christ, the church, by serving others. And we can do this because we are properly equipped, first and foremost, with the Holy Spirit, and then the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. Remember this great story in which God calls Jeremiah into ministry, chapter 1, verse 5. God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I dedicated you, a prophet to all the nations. Before we were even born, God bestowed upon each and every one of us certain gifts, talents, skills, and abilities. St. Paul refers to them as charisms in 1 Corinthians, divine gifts from God. And therefore, we were to use these gifts to serve others in this world. At the time of our baptism, the Holy Spirit rushed into our soul and stirred up and awakened all these gifts so that later on in life, we would know exactly how to use them for the express purpose of serving others in this world and serving those people our own way. And I think that's the key for us. Let me explain that further. Go back to the very beginning of the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the Apostles received the Holy Spirit, they also received the gift to speak in different tongues or languages. So they could now evangelize not just certain segments of the world or population, but they could now boldly proclaim the gospel to all people of the world because they spoke all the different languages of people and nations. Well, the same thing holds true with us. If we take those charisms, those special gifts that God has given us to serve others, we can now speak different languages to people who need our help. Let me give you some examples to help you understand what I mean. Say you are a good teacher. Whether it's teaching children, teenagers, or even adults, you do it very well and you enjoy it. Well, that's your gift. That's your charism. Now go and volunteer at your church to teach religious education to children, teenagers, or even adults. See, then you begin to speak the language of catechesis. You speak the language 
of people who desire to know more about God. And in doing so, now like the apostles, you are drawing people back to God. Say, for example, you like to speak with people. You enjoy chatting with people, and in doing so, you always are able to lift their spirits. Well, that's your gift. That's your charism. Now go and visit the people that are shut-ins. Go and take communion to people that are in hospitals or in nursing homes. In doing so, now you speak the language of loneliness to people who know nothing but that. And the message you give them is one that those people are not forgotten and are truly loved. One more example. Say you have a passion for social justice issues. Well, that's your gift. Now go and volunteer to serve meals to the homeless. Go and work in a food pantry. Then you begin to speak the language of despair. That's the language that those people, the homeless, the hungry, know and listen to. And you speak the language of despair, but you give them the message of hope and to trust in God. In doing so, now again, like the apostles, you are speaking the language in which they understand and are able to listen to. And in doing so, you draw those people back to God. See, when that happens, then Pentecost shouldn't be a feast that we celebrate just once a year. Instead, Pentecost should be something we celebrate every day of our life. Because every day of our life, we are living out the Pentecost event in our lives. The Holy Spirit has taken root in us. God's divine breath of life continues to blow in and through us so that we may continue the work that the apostles started on this day, almost 2,000 years ago, the work of building up the church and serving others in this world. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.